How is everybody? I am the man you know as Dutch. This is Sean Donnelly. You are listening to the DYM podcast. I am joined here by my very lovable uh, co-host, Andrew Fiore. How are you, Andy? I'm good, pal. How you doing? I'm good. I woke up with energy and I still got an espresso. So it's going to be a chipper Donnelly for the show. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I (laughs) will. Well, I got my thing. I got my lunch. I have food in me. I'm ready to go, baby. Yeah, you're zipping and zagging over there. How long does that espresso high last? last? I don't know. I think it's a couple hours. Oh, really? I think so. I feel the effects of it for a while, and then I kind of crash later on in the day, or I feel a little bit more tired. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, I, I never took to the coffee products. I don't oh, I just why. realized Andy is in New Jersey, everybody. I am in New Jersey this week. Are you doing, is it vaccination time? Is that what's going on? No, just visiting. Just visiting. Look at look, what a good little boy. What a yeah. good, what a good lad this Andy is. <laughs> I know people can always tell, they go, hey, are you decorating your apartment differently? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it is it the Baroque period? In your, in your, <laughs> that's, that's definitely like suburban. That's like, like that's a mom decor, decoration behind you, sure, but not for sure. a 40-year-old. No. They go, I-, I thought he had like movie posters, and, like fish posters, and <laughs> he's got a golden ornate pictures of uh, and, the, and the landline rings. This yeah, is another yeah, hazard yeah. of they're like, Andy, why'd you switch your posters out for the, the, the mirror from Snow White? Why'd you do that? Why? <laughs> yes, it's just this really nice, uh, ornate mirror, like you said, that's the perfect way to put it. I know every time I walk by this mirror, I go, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the greatest podcaster of them all? <laughs> And, and it says, immediately, almost me, he goes, bah, 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 Joe Rogan. Don't even ask. <laughs> it stops you right there. <laughs> it's just a it's just a guy from Jersey voice. Oh, so funny. Uh, yeah, I, but uh, visiting, visiting my Dukes. Visit, that's great. How long in the, the dirty jurors for? I'll be back tomorrow because it's a big weekend for New York City comedy. And I don't know. Is it a national mandate that all clubs are opening up i don't know if it is no i think it's I, new I york it's specifically for new new york I think so. Uh, so my my weekend spots are starting tomorrow night i'm very excited i got spots all weekend at all the different clubs it's going to be super fun and then i think it's supposed to be nice out i'm really looking forward to it so yeah yeah it should be a fun weekend yeah. um and uh uh, you have where are you going to be this weekend, Andrew? Why don't you tell have, the people? Why don't we do plugs in the beginning of the show? Yeah, front plugs uh, instead of butt plugs. <laughs> oh, Made myself laugh with that. You know one. what? I'm going to take away your rights to, to plug something now. How about that? How about you do not, ladies and gentlemen? You can see more of that humor this <laughs> yeah. weekend. Hey, if, if you really want to go for this, these fancy high, one of these fancy highbrow shows, go see Andy. <laughs> At a club video, he's gonna do I all will. sorts of puns on butt stuff. It's just gonna be—that's <laughs> what his next album is called. It's called Butt Stuff. Butt stuff. That's fun. <laughs> uh, New York's New York Comedy Club, uh, the Comedy Cellar. Uh, I'll be at the <laughs> Tiny Cupboard, so it'll be a little bit of um, 
some pre-pandemic venues and then some old standbys that were closed during the pandemic that will be back in their original forms, which is nice. You know, I, ca- to- I haven't been putting that is nice. I haven't been putting in my avails for New York County Club. Why not? I don't know. I think I just I just la- I just lapsed. I'll tell you what. It's a weird because it's a thing that you're you're su- you're not prompted to do it every month. It's yes. just like yeah. you have to go to this link and highlight your avails. Yeah. And it's yeah. just a super easy thing to forget. Absolutely. That's, I just for everything I just do reminders on my phone, or but I forget I, to do it all. That's what I should do. That's what I'm going to start doing because I did that. I used to do that with the comedy seller pre pre pandemic, and yeah. now I'm going to do it again. Anyway, uh, so I hit up Amy because for during pandemic, uh, the uh, our friend Candy was booking uh-huh. um, uh, New York Comedy Club, and now it's back to our friend Amy. And I wrote to her and I said, "Hey, are you back at the club?" And she goes. Yeah, did you not get my four emails like describing the four- <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I didn't even see very them. uh very well written, very yeah. information packed emails that Sean you just apparently glossed over. I I don't they you know what it is? I get so much crap. I have to like switch emails or something or or change my email because I get so much crap. They get if they if I, if it's not blatantly the person, like if they if it says their name and something in parentheses next to it, I just think it's spam, I'm, and I just don't. I ignore it. You, you, you okay at work? Old man Leland's busting your hump over the report. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? You, you my baby takes <laughs> the trick. My head is swimming. The best is he goes. The best he goes. Well, I don't even work here. He goes. What does he say? I don't technically work here. That's what makes it so hard. He goes. That's what makes it so hard. It's almost like you have no business training whatsoever. <laughs> His briefcase is full um, of crackers. So funny. I'm a, I'm excited for a comedy. I'm excited to see what it looks like. I'm excited to go back on stage. I'm I've already, no. We've we've been on stage in the interim. We've been vaccinated. Me and you. We do outdoor stuff. We did a couple yeah. of road things during the over the last summer and stuff like that. So. I'm just excited for it to get back into like the realm of something uh, um, like normal. You know? Yeah, it's just it's it's also mentally another step to getting back to normal. Like you said, like it doesn't really change much for me day to day. But I think for a lot of for, it's a mental hurdle you're you're getting over where you're going. Yeah. This stuff is just one more notch back to normalcy. And hopefully it just increases the levels of capacity as the more people get vaccinated and the it gets warmer out which is nice those two things combined the vaccination and the weather changing is a huge boon to mental uh what do you call it mental uh, health positivity i guess mental health it, those it, two things happening at the same time when people coming out of the winter that's always a good feeling anyway now you're coming out of a pandemic combined with coming out of the winter because that was a tough winter you know, you couldn't really go and hang out anywhere. You had yeah. no place to go. You live alone. It's it was rough, man. You were locked down because of multiple reasons. So besides right. the COVID, it was like also like, well, you wouldn't be able to anyway because of the snow. And then it was it was like it was way more of a nasty, uh, nastier winter than in the past, the past five years. So uh, yeah. there was it made, it mentally, even though you knew you had to stay in, seeing that you had to stay in physically made it that much worse. So correct. And you know, once it gets above fifty degrees, we're like, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's hair the musical. We're just naked in the park. <laughs> so this is the dawning of the, the age, age of Aquarius. Aquarius. Age of Aquarius. <laughs> what is your What is your Aquarium uh, sign? You mean my my the, yeah, the astrology sign? sign? Astrological sign is Taurus, baby. The bull. Oh, Taurus. 
and a lot of testosterone, a lot of a lot of a lot of a uh, lot, lot of pubic hair involved with the bull and nuts, big giant balls. <laughs> I didn't know that was in the zodiac uh, descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the Kama Sutra. I think that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. um, no, no, but it's like supposed to be a stubborn thing. But I will say this, uh-huh. and I don't even know what the other one. Apparently, I'm on the cusp. Whatever the one is after Taurus. I'll tell Taurus. you, it's Gemini. Gemini. Oh, right. Apart. That's you. Yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah. So one time I was speaking to somebody and they said, when's your birthday? And I said, May 19th. And they said, uh, you're a Gemini. And I said, no, I'm a Taurus. And they go, you're on the cusp, dear. I was this like, older lady. I forget where it was. <laughs> it was very strange. And I went, oh, that was, yeah, that was I, it was like, she was like a Stephen King novel character. She was just like more <laughs> foreboding and warning. You know, um, I'm a Gemini. People hate Gemini's. I don't know why. I guess because we get the, we're the twins. So people always go, oh, yo, you're two faced. You know, that you never know what you're going to get. But I, I never understood that. Oh, I get now that you're a Gemini. I get it now. Now that I know you, sure. <laughs> what does that <laughs> no, mean? I'm, I'm joking. I'm fucking with you. I don't even know. I don't even know. I didn't know that that was the twins. See, I didn't even know that. I don't know anything about Romulus and Remus. We are the. That's our sign. Uh, so I just typed in most hated zodiac signs. We're actually number two. Leos are number one. The raging egomaniac, it says. When you think about a Leo, you might envision someone strutting around with 12 shopping bags, staring adoringly into their phone's front camera, and talking loudly over you. Um, That's uh, a Leo? Leo is uh, July 23rd through August 22nd. So I know one dude that falls into that. He's born on July 22nd. That Yeah, very much an egomaniac. So that one kind of does hold up. I know... um I know somebody that works with that I used to date a long time ago. Uh huh. Yeah. That, Gemini- I'm, what? Sorry. No, oh, I was going to read Gemini's, but. Oh, what's Gemini's? Go ahead. Well, it's the two faced motor mouth. <laughs> Gemini's are meme are memed. I don't know who wrote this. Gemini's are memed to oblivion as the hot and cold friend, the one who flakes on your plans, spills your secrets, and just generally doesn't shut up. I don't know about that. Um, I I don't know about that either. I would say I would say you're a talker, but you're not like I've never I've never um thought of you as like too much of a talker. Like too, yeah, like, I know. wouldn't think so. Like oh, this guy won't shut up. I think I like to know my place, when to keep quiet. Yeah, no, I I think you know how to talk, but I've never thought of you as like overly talking. Right, right, and all and obviously not two faced because I you know I was fucking around. Gemini's are among the most open minded, accepting signs. I think that's true. Their adaptability allows them to relate to and empathize with anyone. Well, I think that one's actually true too. I can empathize with a lot of people. So, uh, if you're if you're reviewing the po- if you're listening to the podcast, Andy identifies with only the good shit out of the Gemini. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is any what anybody would do. Because what's what's the do they have Taurus there? What what number is Taurus on the this list? This was just the number th- the three most hated. What's the third? That was the first thing I clicked on. I clicked on a second one. It said why Gemini is the most hated zodiac sign. Jesus, why? What's the third? Uh... I'm sorry, which zodiac signs below YouTubers and zodiac signs such as Gemini, even Capricorn. Other zodiac signs are too flirty and non-committal, such as Aries, Sagittarius, Libra, and even Aquarius. Huh. Um, so I think you're in the clear on these. I think I'm just an all-around perfect human being, I guess. Even even according to the stars. I guess that works. Like even according to the moon and the stars and the Scorpio was the third most hated. The seething mm. movie villain. 
Scorpios are painted as the secretive ghouls who are hell-bent on revenge. Jesus, ghouls. Wow, that's hardcore. You can find them in damp, dark caves plotting your demise. How is this better than any of the first two? That is not. It seems way worse. Um, right? And also, I love that it that's said seething movie villain. Cool. That's October 22nd to November 21st, too. So if you can place anybody there. Uh I know I do know some of them, but I it doesn't fit. I think what we're no. realizing is um this is all uh, bullshit. It's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of bullshit involved in this astrology. But how coincidental is that? I am at my uh my mommy's house and you and her both born on May 19th. Look at that. That's very true. That is yeah. very true. Yes. We're actually having a joint birthday party this year. I, I absolutely and yeah. Ed, this is a tough one, Shawnee. It bleeds right into a perfect segue because I think a lot of us know her as a very motherly figure. It's rest in peace, Jessica Walter. Yes. Well, motherly in which way? Like motherly. Mother, mother, she played uh, a mother. As a figurehead. Yeah. Jessica Walter was the mom on Arrested Development, and she was the one of the voices on Archer, I believe. Right, and then but she, she played the mother. Like she played... She played the mother, but she was not motherly. She's not motherly. Not motherly, but yes, a very mother. Like we know her as a mother. That doesn't mean she portrayed uh, or was uh, elicited any sort of motherly mom magic. You know what's always interesting to me is that these these actors and actresses that have they almost have two different careers where they in the in the 50s or the 60s 70s and 80s they have these careers of like these bit players on these um on these sitcoms or these or 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 these like hour long like fantasy island or whatever it is like like Le- leslie nielsen right leslie nielsen was like a drama guy when he was like younger and he was on these like courtroom dramas in the 50s and 60s and whatever it is and then the minute he police squad came out he became the dry funny guy he became yes he became the weird dry funny sure. guy but he's always acted like leslie nielsen he always even if you if you like if you right. know leslie nielsen from naked gun and then you watch an old thing that he's in you're like He's he's funny. He's being Leslie <laughs> Leslie Nielsen and Jessica Walter was the same way. She used to be on all those shows, Matlock and Murder She Wrote and all that, and playing these parts. And then she got she found her niche and became well known and famous for playing in a weird offbeat comedy, which is really interesting. Yes, and I always will have a uh, affection for her in the 1994 feature film PCU. As President Garcia Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> she was so great at that. <laughs> that started that type of role for her, right? I feel like like I that's so. like there's probably there's no way the rest of development guys didn't see PCU before they had her play. Because she plays such a hard ass in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, PCU is great. PCU so uh, underrated. Little known fact. I don't know if I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, Andrew Fury. Uh, do you know who directed PCU? I don't think I do. A man uh, named Hart Bachner. Do you know who Hart Bachner is? Hart Bachner. Michael Suarez, uh, Buster Palm, we also call you. Can you please bring up a picture of Hart Bachner? And I want to see if Andy can guess who that is. You'll, you're going to love this. And he directed PC. Was he an actor? You'll see. Yeah, you'll, you'll see. Yeah, you'll see. I want you to guess who it is. Try to pick the up a, re- a, recent, a recent picture of Hart Bachner. And uh, and I want to see if you can guess who it is from a recent picture. What iconic? I'll say he was an actor. 
I, what iconic role did uh, did Hart Bachner play? Oh, okay. uh, and I think you're going to be blown away that he's the director of PCU. PCU is also John Favreau's in it when he's and he's he's David big dude. Spade. He's um, a big dude in it. David Spade's in it. Uh, Chris Young is in it. Who is the guy? The kid from the Great Outdoors. Here we go. This is hard. There's Hart Bachner. Do you know who that is? Can you tell? No, you don't know, do you? You have no idea. Okay, I'll give you. The, oh, uh, I got it. I got it. Who, who is it? It's um, uh, uh, it's uh, Die Hard. It's um, yes. <laughs> what's it? Uh, Ellis from Hans, Die Hard. Be. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's exactly yes. who it is. Dude, I was about to give Hans. up, and it clicked. It clicked. Yeah, because he didn't have a beard in the picture. Face, show. I just got. I, yeah, Hart Bachner, which is which is Booby. such a name that stands out. Hans Booby, I'm your white knight. That's I, that one. name, you would have thought he he played one of the bad guys, Hart Bachner. I know. It sounds like he'd be one of the one of the terrorists, but he wasn't. Wow, good for Hans. him for finding a uh, second career behind the camera. Absolutely. I don't even know what he's done since PCU. I just I found out he directed that, and it's a tidbit I've had in my head for like years and years. That's hilarious. He goes, Hans, booby, I'm your white knight. <laughs> he goes, Alice, you do not know what these people are capable of. What does he say? <laughs> but yeah, the, so uh, the mother, great mother in Archer and, of course, Arrested Development. We're going to miss you, Jessica Walter, because she you always heard that voice, too, and you'd, you'd get a laugh. Um, so that's a tough one. Well, she's so she was so good at playing that. Right, right. And I and you wonder, it's like uh I wonder what she was like uh off off screen. You know, she probably was a sweetheart. Yeah. And you think it too, I, I know Archer is still being made, so I wonder how they're gonna I'm sure they'll do something uh, really funny with with not, I don't know if it's gonna be the death or the expulsion of the character, but Archer will is a show that I, I came around lately on. Like I always watch one here and there, but I never was like a huge I've, fan, but some people love it. And I was just like, every time I watch it, it's kind of was that thing. Like it's always sunny got to me sometimes before I really came around on. It's always sunny. It was be like enough of the yelling and over talking and the constant shouting. And then I watched a few in a row and you kind of, once you get beyond that, you go, Oh, this is really funny and really well-written. And uh, that's kind of what makes it lovable, but. Um, um, I'm sure they'll handle it well. I I'm sure they'll be they'll build like a little mini tribute and make it really funny. But I I haven't come around on either of those shows yet. I liked them, but I was in the same boat as you, where I don't watch uh, It's Always Sunny religiously, and I don't watch Archer religiously. Right, right, right. Like I haven't seen all of them, so I I should I should sit down and start watching them because I know I like them. I think Archer goes in more of an arc, whereas you can watch a standalone It's Always Sunny and not necessarily need to have seen the episode prior or the yeah. entire season, which is a great thing for rewatchability. Like the Simpsons is like that. It's like, you don't need, you need to watch them in order. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any of those great shows. Yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, speaking of watching, did you, uh, you've watched a couple things this week, right? I watched one new Oscar nominee for best picture. And which one? this one was a doozy. Anthony Hopkins, which is goes perfectly into our matchup today. We got a old classic Defend Your Movie style matchup today. I watched The Father. The Father. Oh, how was that? Insane. No pun intended. But like, like good insane I, or bad insane? Uh, it was. So I'll tell you. I don't know if you know anything about the plot. It's basically a 
man, Anthony Hopkins, is the father of uh, this young girl. Uh, not young girl, Olivia Coleman, middle-aged woman, actually. And um, he is starting to get symptoms of dementia. And the first 20 minutes of the movie, you see his kind of slice of life, his daily routines and stuff. And his daughter is obviously very loving, but also very stressed out and worried that he is not being able to live on his own anymore. And then the movie takes a crazy turn. And so basically what you should know is this was based on a play. And when you're watching it, you get to go, oh, I can see how this stage play. Yeah. Because all of a sudden it takes on the persona of like his dementia. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're then you then kind of don't know what's real and who's who because the characters kind of intertwine with each other. So it almost personifies his dementia. So it's kind of complicated to watch and uh, not a comedy at all. So it's a downer and very dramatic. And you really have to pay attention to who's who and what's going on because it gets some crazy twists in there. And I mean, God, if that's what to like, you just feel it go the poor guy. I'll say this. Anthony uh, uh, Perkins, (laughs) Anthony Hopkins. Amazing, amazing acting job. I mean, it's going to be tough to beat him for a best actor, I think, which he's nominated for. Well, he's amazing. He's so amazing. Great. And to yeah. handle this role and to be able to keep. Oh, my God. It was I was very impressed with Anthony Hopkins. So ah, did I love it? I I liked it. It was interesting. It was a unique film. Do I think it's going to win best picture? No, I think I still enjoyed Promising Young Woman or maybe Sound of Metal or I maybe even Minari. I liked a little better because just it was a. It was a tough watch, man. Like it's emotionally a struggle, like, like too heavy and not. And it's not, heavy. Yeah, it's yeah. heavy. And uh, anybody who's ever dealt with that, you're probably it's probably going to trigger some stuff. That's like 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 what you call it. Um, Schenectady. Uh, but what is it? A Schenectady, New York or whatever it is. The, 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 That's a town. The what? That's a place. No, no, no. It's a movie. The one that or Synodote. What is it? What are they? What are they? <laughs> I, I forget how they call it. the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman, the one that um, what's his name did um, not Todd Solondz. Um, no, 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 no. No, it came happiness. out a while ago, but it was super not happiness, but it was like Welcome I don't to think the it, was, it was Charlie Kaufman. It was a Charlie Kaufman thing. I don't. I know. think he directed it as well. Oh, you never saw it? I don't think so. It's same kind of thing that you just said, where it just gets really, it gets really, <laughs> it gets really heavy. And uh, and it just it, it gets a lot to watch. And when you're you're not left feeling great after you watch it, it's like that. Kind yeah, of it's, yeah, it was it was tough. I did a rewatch. I I did a try watch. I did a, a, a gave it a, gave it a shot kind of watch and couldn't do it. I watched and it wasn't a, a scripted movie. It was last blockbuster. Did you watch that? No, I heard oh, about it. Don't even bother. And oh, I worked, really? I, I thought that at, might be a little fun little thing, but okay. I worked at Blockbuster. You know, I'll tell you why. It could have uh, been great. It could have been great. There's a family that owns this Blockbuster in Bend, yep. Oregon, and if it was yep. just about them and their thing and, the, and all of them, it would have been way better. But what they did was like, they tried to make it really funny and it was not funny, and they put like uh, comment, like Jamie Kennedy's in it. Who gives a fuck about Jamie Kennedy? Uh, and then like uh, Ron Funches is talking about going, like they just have sound clips from comics being like, yeah, right. I used to go with my family to get videos, and it's like, and and I what else? Out. Yeah, what'd you say? 
How did they leave you out? I know. That's the thing. It's like, you put me in it. I'm not as famous as those. I'm not even famous, but I mean, like, I'm not known like those guys are, but it's like, I yeah, worked there. Cash register experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it, and also there's some guy they interview that's like a voiceover artist that, you know, was really, um, in, not inspired, really influenced by going to Blockbuster or whatever it is. But he does a lot of, I guess, like cartoon Star Wars stuff. And he's trying to do like bits during his interviews in the Blockbuster thing. So they have it. He's like, Ugh. in a world where there is no Blockbusters. Oh, yeah. I, and then he was talking about his Saturdays at Blockbuster. And you're like, oh, I hate this guy right away. Oh, uh, yeah. The narrator, I hated her. The uh, the all the comics that are in it, I'm like, why are you guys in it? The only one that made sense was like Brian Posehn and Doug Benson are in it, and I'm sure. like, yeah, those are big giant movie guys. One has one was involved in horror movies a lot and and trauma, I think as well. And the other one has a huge movie podcast. Yes, yeah. interview with that guy about it, but not fucking Ron Funches and fucking Jamie <laughs> Kenny. Who gives a shit? It's like funny guys, but it's like who cares? Actually, no, oh, Jamie Kennedy's yeah. not funny. What am I talking about? He stinks. But like, uh, I just, I'm just overall, it's like, um, just what that could have been, because it also, part of the story is about this, this, this last quote unquote blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, that's family owned. And it's really, and if they just did it about that and just, and like edited the footage of the family, it would yeah. have been way more interesting. And because there's a really sad part where the mom from the family, she's like running the blockbuster and she's like, yeah, so now when new releases come out, I, if we don't have them and I don't get them from my, my distributor, I just go to like Target and I pick up copies of them. And, I, and I'm like, oh, that's so sad. Uh -huh. <laughs> like nobody gives a shit about this blockbuster. But So let me ask you this. How is it uh, financially viable? Is it making money? Is it in a town uh, where people don't have streaming or? I don't know because I didn't get to that point. I turned it off. So, <laughs> oh, gotcha. So I don't even I know if they it was even a get. Turner I, offer. Yeah, it was a Turner offer. I don't even know if they get into that 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 realm. I don't even know if they they talk about the right. money thing. I think they're just trying to. If I had to guess, they're probably like, this is why it stays open. I don't know because I think there's enough people in Bend that are going to it that it stays open. Uh huh. Interesting. Or maybe it's like they've made their money off it or they paid off the. Who knows? I don't know what the yeah. hell the thing is. Yeah. And, and then my other rewatch, which is a classic. Um, and my dad's favorite, one of my dad's favorite movies, uh, Young Frankenstein. Oh, of course. <sighs> so great. Just lost Cloris Leachman recently. Did I, uh, uh, did I mention her? We must have. It was we, like a couple months ago now. We did, of course. You always, you're the, you're the death guy. You always I like the death. dead celebrities. <laughs> here are the obituaries for all these. I write them down because it's a nice honor. It's a nice tribute, I think, yeah. to talk about them. Did you um, rewatch anything else? Or did I, you watch anything else? I actually did. I was falling asleep last night and Lebowski was on at like 1230 and I just it's so great and brilliant. And really, I think something they should show young screenwriting students how to create. Even comics should watch this for if to learn the art of a callback in a yeah. brilliant way. Almost every single line is used again at some point. Yeah. It's, such it's, a brilliant it's really smart process. Yeah, that I am sure if it's not already, I'm sure it is uh, used as a teaching tool for uh, screenwriting or film students, you know, because it's just got everything. And it's it's so it's sad. It's funny. It's it's amazing. And it's one of those movies that was really not appreciated until years after it came out. Like That's, it really wasn't. Yeah, I, I'm taken away. I'm going, how did uh, John Goodman end? Jeff Bridges not get any sort of recognition for this. I mean, they do now, obviously, but yeah, yeah. At the yeah. time, just those Coens didn't, you know, 
They they make a great movie and people are always late to the ball game on them they, for some reason. I, yeah. You know what I'm going to do a rewatch of that I, I mentioned earlier, but I'm going to do it like this weekend. I'll make sure I do it. Uh, and you mentioned it uh, inside Llewellyn Davis. I think this time around, yeah. I will love it because I w- the first time I watched it, I don't know why I couldn't get into it. I, not, that I, not that I hated it, but I just so based off your trajectory of the, with that movie, I'm going to watch it again because I think I'll really. I enjoyed it. it much more the second time around. The other interesting has to happen with Coen Brothers films for me. Yeah, the other interesting thing that I realized about they have that four hour cut of um of hateful eight on Netflix Netflix. I want to, yeah. I want to take that on. I want to, I, I watched it. Too. I'm a, I'm a hateful eight fan. I like hateful eight a lot. I was not. And then I want to rewatch it, especially that just to see if I, if I dig it the second time around, but I, you, you probably noticed this on Netflix. It's done in episode. It's done in chunks. They have like 50 yeah. minute chunks. That, that's how it's long a nice way is. to watch it. Yeah, it probably is. Cause what do you do? You watch one and then you go do whatever. And then you go back. Yeah. There? You watch yeah. one and you hang out and you know, yeah, have a Capri Sun and go back. Yeah, I um, yeah, I have to give it another shot because I think I will dig it. There's very few Tarantino movies that I don't like or enjoy. I yeah. they, I, I don't know which uh, I don't like Death Proof. Uh, Death Proof I could give a shit about, but uh, yeah, it's kind of not even really his. I, I don't, you know, it's agreed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> nothing yeah. special, but. Um, I recently watched Django and Chandy. We we talked about all this on the pod, but yeah, he's he's just got a great way of movie making, man. It's he, he okay. So the way that I always picture him, and it's funny because people, I think I think the point of Tarantino has been lost, and I'll tell you why I think this is the case. Because okay. I will, I am on TikTok because I am a post millennial, and um, yeah, I and you know me, I love I love dancing and I love, uh, you. I love videotaping myself dance and I love um can't tear this guy away. Yeah, I just I just do my my hip hop dances on TikTok and people love them. Yes. I get millions your, of hits. Your lip syncing video. Oh, oh, well, I, yeah, exactly. Anyway, so uh, I'm f- scrolling through it. It's very addictive, and I'm scrolling through TikTok last night, right? And uh, this girl had did a video about. Oh, do what you like do that did, like they do this like narration thing where there's like almost like a robot voice that over her um over her video being like want to see the movies that I thought were really good movies and then I realized recently they actually kind of suck and then she shows all her DVDs of the Tarantino movies. And she's like, "Why did I ever think Tarantino was a thing?" Like that. But that's that's what there's so oh. many videos like that on TikTok. And I think when 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 people describe Tarantino as an auteur, it's not it's it's that he's he's cra- captured the essence of going to the movies. It's not that he's this like I would even put him you know he's not um uh Igmar Bergman or he's not going for like the 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 hard to reach um uh, lessons or the hard to reach plots and or, or, or so abstract or so this he's trying to make they, they, at the core Tarantino's trying to make fun movies that you want to watch in a movie theater but over the time he's gotten so much so many accolades and so much so so much uh, prestige that people are like oh these are like these um they're like they're they're mad that they're getting mad that they're not like these high uh super uh, uh, upper echelon uh, uh, intellectualized things, which, which in a way they are, but over, at the core of them, they're trying to be movies. They're not trying to, they're almost not trying yeah, to be films. They're trying to be movies. You know what I'm saying? Cinema doesn't have to always be intellectual for right. something to be 
amazing. It's a blend of acting and writing and cinematography and look and feel that makes a great movie a great movie. I don't. It's not right. it's something that doesn't. I have to go. You know, uh, read Marcus Aurelius for to understand the plot of right, a movie. Right. Exactly. And like, even if you look at like Pulp Fiction, which was like arguably his best movie ever, it's like the, he, there's literally a gimp in it. It's supposed to be a pulp novel. Right. So where I mean, where is this disconnect of being like, oh, well, yeah, Tarantino? You know, I, I thought he was like, a, a made shit to me. You know what? It it's is, very it it's very popular thing to be a contrarian because you know. It's going to rile people up. That's just yeah. an easy technique to for these assholes. To, hey, you're just an asshole. I'm sorry. It, yeah. It's one of those. It's like I know movies and music and all this stuff is subjective, but there are certain things that if you deny that something is a piece of art on a level like Tarantino, you're just wrong. I'm sorry. I, yeah. There's not really any room. You might that might be your opinion. It might not be for you, but this is a non-subject. It's good, beautiful filmmaking. Yeah, you're, you're not right on this. Or I, good, I'm willing good, to say fun, you, badass, yeah. like 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 just just really capturing what like movies are. And, and it's what, unique. It's like it's you, a style all on his own. You know, you, people now are saying when they see something else, they go, "Oh, I can see a very Tarantino inspired." Yeah. You know, he's now bled into a new generation of filmmakers yes. as inspiration, much like Scorsese or Coppola have done. So go that, fuck yourself. Whoever that whole that whole '90s Merrimax era has become its own like um, its own like uh, uh, yeah. Old '90s is a great decade for movies. For historical cinema, movie film, making. yeah, like '95 sure. to whenever it, it's. I like to call a, the Weinstein years, baby. <laughs> well, nobody else does. Let's be honest. The Harveys. That's the award we should have been giving them. <laughs> Uh, so let's get to our matchup today, my friend. Can you tell? Can you explain to people what the idea was? Because I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's such a great, well, thank you, great take uh, on our defend your movie um, uh, vibe that we have here on the show. So last week we were talking about Jodie Foster Almond uh, quite a lot, <laughs> and, I, post, and I posted the photos to the Instagram so yesterday. <laughs> uh, I was watching a, a really deep cut of Jodie Foster when she was like 13. It was called The Girl Who Lives Down the Lane, The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. And it just got me to thinking about, you know, really career actors and actresses who started when they were children. And uh, the ones who are successful for a long period of time are kind of few and far between. You don't realize that there hasn't been that many. We all know the popular flameouts you know the Corey feldman's uh the Corey hames guys who are super popular when they were little kids but never managed i mean there's a million child actors who never make it after like a, a big hit when they were kids i mean look at macaulay culkin for example right so uh you know like a jody foster christian bale came up um people it got me thinking i go what would be a fun way to defend a great movie from the same actor when they were a child versus one that they made when they were an adult Right. And the one that we came up with, which we're going to defend today, is surrendered around Jodie Foster. As a child, Shawnee will be defending Taxi Driver. And as an adult, Jodie Foster, I will be defending The Silence of the Lambs. I, I'm very excited for this. I think it's a cool twist on the Defend Your Movie. And I'm ready to, uh, to jump in. Awesome. And I think... Um 
and we're doing it movie to movie. And Jodie Foster just happens yeah, to be as an old and school then, defender movie matchup. Um, I, I, and I, and I will start by saying, you know, my, my overall, my overall line of defense will be, you know, if you're talking about, if you're talking about dark, if you're talking about <laughs> dark films that, uh, the, the, or you want a grittiness factor to them. And maybe you could say taxi driver is trying to be more gritty than silence of the lambs is sure. as far as gritty, goes. but as far as like, like dark, like, uh, like, like, you know, you're dealing with murder, you're dealing with whatever it is. And you're de- like, like you're saying, you're dealing with these lone gunman type of 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 people. I I will say that I think Taxi Driver just takes the cake with this. Just even even if you want to do it technical wise, the way it's shot, like just first off, setting New York City in the 1970s is one of the darkest things that you. It's like it's just I I defy you to find a besides medieval times another dark era like that, <laughs> uh, and. I think overall, like I just you there, there's there's no hope. Obviously, Science of the Lambs, you have a serial killer, but there's no hope. The entire at least Science of the Lambs has like a redeemable thing where they're going to I, try I, and I'll catch a killer. Arguments. Like Taxi Driver, nobody's winning with nobody ever wins in Taxi Driver. Nobody I disagree, ever but wins. I'll I'll save my who wins. You can make a case that Travis Bickle wins in the end mentally. He becomes a hero. He saves this little girl against pimps and drug dealers, and he he helps her out of the life of prostitution. I don't think I think he's okay. So yeah, you can make that argument, but at the end, wins. I just think that I don't Iris. think I don't think that he's like I don't think like they're not, they're not trying to say it's stopping. Like it's not like you know he he. It's not like it's gonna because let's be honest. The movie is 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 playing to his mental condition, right? So it's it's trying to paint a picture yeah. of a, a a loner and a guy who is in his head, uh, and and he takes this action because of his own thoughts. Of because all that stuff goes on anyway. It's not there's no there's no heroic thing there. Yeah, that's a pretty. It's great that she got saved from the pimp or whatever it is, but it's more about mental. This guy's mental illness, and he doesn't get cured of his mental illness by the end of that 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 i agree but uh that's up for interpretation a lot of people have made the claim that that might have actually been another hallucination he had and that it actually didn't happen that's up for interpretation um as far as i'll give you grittiness because it's a gritty 1970s movie and you win on grittiness because that's not the tone silence of the limbs going for but as far as darkness goes what is more dark than a serial killer uh, skinning young girls to make a a suit of skin. T- I mean, it doesn't get much darker than that. And also, not only that, the the hero, the anti-hero that you have to use to maybe be your only hope of catching the serial killer is another serial killer. Yeah, it doesn't get much darker and creepier than that. So maybe I'm know, maybe, maybe darkness was the wrong word. Maybe it was uh, realism. Was maybe I think when I think you're getting don't get me wrong. Like I know this is a cop out a little bit, but Silence of the Lambs. You got you got a movie movie. You got you got a movie plot. You got a, a movie. Uh, the idea of the serial killer helping the cop, the FBI agent is no. Well, I don't know if anybody's really seen that before. That's a very unique device. 
very very unique right and then they probably ripped it off in in subsequent years right but when it comes to to taxi driver um i think what you have is you're really really getting a peek into what things were like exactly at that time and uh so so even if it's just like setting and time period um it's it's funny like you throw a serial killer into a movie it'll be creepy right away. You just show somebody 70s New York and they're like fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> they don't well, even need they don't even need anybody skinning anybody. They're like we're just going to assume there's multiple skinnings going on in, in <laughs> Manhattan at 1970 something. Like do you know what I mean? Like it's just New York is the serial killer. New York is the is the is the is Buffalo Bill of that movie. It's just like nobody well, no nobody escapes. Like just like that girl's trapped in the hole. That's what it is. New York City is the hole she's in. That's that's what it is. The whole city's the fucking hole. Oh, you could make it. You can make more of a parallel to Doctor Lecter. He's never getting out of that of you know his his cell for what you assume to be the rest of his life. Right. So. I th- this is why I think this movie matches up really well together because it both films are of a study of the mind. It's sure. a shell-shocked Vietnam veteran living in New York City and w- what his mind is breaking down and making him become. And it's also a study of a serial killer. And it's a study of a woman trying to learn and piece these two things together. And it's another study of the psychiatrist and Dr. Lecter. So it's they're both movies analyze their characters uh patterns of how they think and for sides of the lambs one is you have a conduit which is clarice starling she's trying to use how one guy thinks the serial killer and taking that information to the way another guy thinks and who can think like a serial killer because he is one right and trying to build a puzzle here of catching this guy so I mean, the plots are obviously completely different, but both very good analysis is analyses, analyses, analyses yeah. of, of the mind and its functions and how it can break down and, you know, do terrible things on its own. Little known so, fact, little known fact, Andy, um, Hannibal Lecter, uh, Gemini. Nobody didn't know that. that was, um, is, that, is that true? I think that's part of the the character description. They said uh, <laughs> he wouldn't he wouldn't stop talking. He was two faced. <laughs> Yeah, he he was Born right in the middle of June. Is Gemini <laughs> all the way? <laughs> um, That's actually no. a very funny thing about Hannibal Lecter is that Clarice Starling was the first person he talked to in uh, in in years. He wouldn't talk to Doctor Chilton. If you, I'm reading the book. If you yeah. know that about, uh, if you've read the book before, you know that was the that was such a kind of surprise that he opened up to Clarice was because he he could live. He was so smart. He could live inside his mind. You know what I mean? Like he had, he's such an intelligent person. He didn't have to speak. And he didn't, yeah, most people kids. would be starved for human contact and he wasn't. Right. And then, you know what? Like it's, it's, it's so funny you say that because you're right. The characters are so similar. So you have Travis Pickle and you have Hannibal Lecter and one of them is in a literal prison. The other one's in a prison of his mind, basically yeah. is what's going on. And it's so, and the other part is that you can make the argument that Hannibal Lecter is more, is 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 more sane than Travis Bickle is. If you really like, is more. He's not as erratic. He's not. You know, he's not creating reality. Yeah. The reality is, he just is. You know, he has his own set of rules and right. and his own set of actions that are illegal. But but technically, he's probably more with it than yeah. Travis Bickle, who is just slowly unraveling throughout the movie. Travis Bickle would have made a great patient for Hannibal Lecter. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like that, that's the crossover we need. Yeah, yeah. The crossover Ooh, we didn't know good. we needed. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter goes to New York. <laughs> Can we have that? <laughs> <laughs> just just the shot of him coming out of Penn Station and going, <laughs> wow, New York. New York City. Think about 8 million people <laughs> to, to eat. <laughs> Delicious. Delicious. Um, uh, all right. Well, I'll he, give oh, you let, me, let me ask you this, Andy. If he went oh, to, right, it wouldn't be uh, farva beans and a nice Chianti. What would he have? I ate her. What would he eat with? And what would the combo be in New York City? I, I ate her liver with a papaya dog. <laughs> <laughs> and a Grimaldi's. <laughs> I ate her liver with a chopped cheese sandwich from a bodega. And <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> And like your New York City meal. <laughs> and a nice white girl rosé, just like that. <laughs> it's a very good dollar slice in this town, actually, if you know where to go. <laughs> I eat her liver with a dollar slice. <laughs> and a donut from Donut Plant. <laughs> okay. just, just just tourist Hannibal Lecter is yeah. my new favorite thing. <laughs> tourist Hannibal Lecter. Is so funny. <laughs> he gets he gets too busy doing stuff in New York City, so he can't start eating people yet. <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, I was gonna eat his liver, but I went to the High Line instead." <laughs> right. Well, the Yankees had an afternoon game, so I went up to the Bronx. <laughs> 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 I do oh apologize. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I do. I do apologize. I meant to eat you, but there was a there was a matinee showing of a of 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 pinky boots that I wanted to see. <laughs> That'd be so much fun. Just this, like a, just a family sitcom. Family sitcom. Of Hannibal. Comics from Comedy Central, The Tonight Show. <laughs> Yeah, that's I wouldn't mind him eating those guys. Yeah, the workers. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he, they're just gone, and their flyers are on the ground. Nowhere, they're nowhere to be found. Just, just a shot of their like they're, they're, that just a shot of them barking, and then he him looking at them, and the next shot is just their flyers strewn throughout the Times yeah, Square. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right, so. Um. Well, I'll, so we normally we do versus cast, I guess. It's you've got Sybil Shepard, you've got obviously um, Robert De Niro, uh, who didn't none yeah. neither of them won any of the Oscars um, versus no, the yeah, but I both think Oscar that, winners. Jodie Foster. And yes, Emma. but I think that the huh that but but it's not not for a lack of trying. I think De Niro could have easily won the Oscar for, uh, for yeah. Taxi Driver. Let's look up who he lost to that year. What was Taxi Driver? 76? Was he nominated? I assume. Um also I I feel like I feel like Taxi Driver has the feel of an independent independent movie in a lot of ways. It, yeah, it's like sure. almost like a, a guerrilla it's film. Early in Scorsese, hard, you know. Yeah, it's very early in Scorsese's career and it's Paul Schrader writing it and I think the script is phenomenal. I think, you know, I think you put director to director, uh what is it, Jonathan Demi versus Scorsese, that's a no-brainer right there, but um, as far as like, I mean, outside the realm of the movie where, um, oh, Ooh, Peter Finch, Peter Finch from Network, what a, uh, Buster Palm just wrote to us on the screen. Peter, he, well, he, I, well, that's, I, I, I'm on the screen too. Can I, oh my Lord. What? What 
a lineup this year. Peter Finch won for network. De Niro was nominated. Giancarlo Giannini for Seven Beauties, which I don't even know what it is. Yeah, William neither. Holden also for Network and Sylvester yeah. Sloan for Rocky. That is a murderer's wow. Run. But and also let's 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 say it, the obvious. Uh, you made the right choice. That's yeah. that's the, hands down the right fucking choice. I would have even put William Holden. William Holden. I would have put him. I would have put him. Uh, I would have had him win. I would actually. When yeah, he you're right. Up with uh, what? Not Diane Cannon. Wow, who am I thinking of? Um. Oh my um, God, that's just a, a, a goddamn travesty. But okay, so that's a tough one. Um, you know what's funny is that Ned Beatty got nominated for a supporting actor. Here's a here's a here's a fun connection. Oh, outside oh, from, of anything, from network you got nominated. Oh, uh, Faye Dunaway is who I was thinking of. Yeah, uh, network one for actress in a supporting role. Beatrice Strait. One as William Holden's wife in Network. She won yeah. for Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Beatrice Strait. She's only on screen for like four minutes or something. Uh, but Dr. Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Hannibal Lecter is only on the screen a combined 16 minutes and also yeah. one. I think they're the two shortest, you know, uh, screen times to win those awards. But that, Jodie Foster was nominated for Taxi Driver for Best Actress, Best Supporting. Um, so they were there for the awards, but when you look at who else was around and Beatrice Strait, Jane Alexander, Jodie Foster, Lee Grant and Piper Laurie for Carrie. Um, yeah, it's going to be hard to not give it to the other winners. So, um, really, really tough competition might've done in taxi driver. So I'll give you that one, you know? Right. Yeah. When you, because um, the year ninety one was Silence of the Lamps, correct, or was it eighty nine? Yes, yeah, so you got to go to nineteen ninety two Oscars. Yeah. Um, so, I here's the other thing. I don't think we we say this often because it's a fun stat. I don't believe any film since has swept to the five major ones like Silence of the Lambs has. That's Director, huge. That's a huge. That's picture, a huge actor, thing actor. for. Um. Yeah, that was it. Was dominant, but let's see. Can you check the the list? If you have it right there. Yes. So Hopkins won. Uh, the nominees were Warren Beatty for Bugsy, De Niro again for Cape Fear. They went head to head. Yeah, but uh, but I'm still, you know, uh, Hopkins Nick, is still in the in the lead here. Nick Nolte, Prince of Tides, and Robin Williams for The Fisher King. So I, it's a clear. Cut. Oh, that's a clear cut. Come on, you can't, you know. But yeah. still, a win is a win. You know, a win is a win. But um, I think that. Yeah, well, you're dealing, you you like whatever that whatever seventies year that was with um, tax drive. What was seventy four? What was it? It was 70, made seventy six. So the seventy seven. Yeah, I think that is a that's a that's a tough pool right there. That's a really tough. Pool. Absolutely. So Jodie Foster won, obviously. Uh, Gina Davis for Thelma, Thelma and Louise. Susan Sarandon for Thelma and Louise. Bette Midler for for the boys, and Laura Dern for Rambling Rose. So again, and, you, and get, you know what? Got to like, go to Foster. You, you can also make the, uh, and I'm making one of your points here. If if this is if this would be one of your points, when you when you're talking about Scorsese movies, you know you can almost say not that he peaked with Goodfellas, but everything was building up with Goodfellas when when forming that style, when forming his style, I think, and then he just perfected it with Goodfellas, and then went from there, and then he was already a legend at that point, and he, he went from there. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Demi, I would say Silence of the Lambs is his crowning achievement, and you you really don't talk about anything else. And he kind of what he whatever he did, it was very straightforward. I would say Scorsese's way more 
of an artistic wow. filmmaker. But I mean, um, but Jonathan oh, sure. Demi, like sure, sure. that is that is his his crown jewel. When Taxi Driver is not Scorsese's crown jewel. Uh, no. And to go against Best Pictures, The Science of Lambs was up against Beauty and the Beast, Bugsy, JFK, and The Prince of Tides. So, I mean, let's face it, none of those even hold a candle. Yeah, you kind of had like, a, like an elementary school fucking lineup besides, <laughs> besides Science of the Lambs. And it's just a way better put together. The whole thing, is it just knocks it out of the park, you know? So, Whereas the year of 1977, we know Rocky won. Right, uh, which you could have made a case for, and people do. People actually do. They don't like. I, it's I've a, heard it's that a beautiful film. Before. I love Rocky as much as you know. Great. I'm a big Rocky guy, but yeah, I have no problem. All the President's Men, Bound for Glory, Network, and I mean, Network is in my top four of all time. Yeah, you're, so, you're a huge Network. It's fan, yeah. you give me Rocky or Network, but so yeah, you see, the competition I'll give you was much more stiff for Taxi Driver to not get any of the awards that Science of the Lambs did. Um, and I'll tell you, I think that acting wise, um, I don't. I, I think it's it, it, it's heavy material for both both films to act. Um, so it really is. I uh, mean, you know, soundtrack we can't do because they're both scores or whatever it is. So so just go have, De Niro versus Hopkins. That's so hard to pick and choose because I I love Taxi Driver as well. Don't get me wrong. I think they're both iconic. I mean, people they both quote from these movies all the time people both both go you talking to me you talk, you know, i mean how many assholes have you heard do that over time and yeah. like you said before people go i ate his liver beans with a you know uh, 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 they ate his liver nice, with the fava beans and a nice can nice yeah so uh, yeah both both quotable the acting is matched up i think what it comes down to is ooh, which tough it, it comes down to director and as far as out of the two honestly i i'm, I'm not a huge jody foster fan to begin with but i and don't get me wrong, like I her appreciate part, her. Her part in Silence of the Lambs, you know, she has a, it's it's she's the main per she's the main character. Well, um, yeah, but you know, she's used as a catalyst to you know, it's like Jack Crawford. The story is you know he's using this trainee to get like he, it's 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 a long shot, and she's a female, and yeah. it works. You know, Lecter opens up to her for the first time for well, she's so, a catalyst in Taxi Driver as well. She's the reason why he's doing anything yeah. that good. That's what I'm telling you. There's a lot of similarities between a lot of similarities film. in the movie. So, so um, like, I think what boils down to is like if when my gut reaction is when I go to the two movies, I go Taxi Driver. Like if you were like, hey, what do you want to watch? And you, I know you probably go Silence of the Lambs. I go Silence. Even besides the Lambs. defending it, I would go. I'll watch Taxi Driver over Silence Flip of the Lambs test. any any day. Flip test Taxi Driver. They both then, passed the flip test for me, but probably Signs of the Lambs. I, I'll always keep on. I love it more than Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver has those bouts of dryness. You know what I mean? Where you just go, come on, you're waiting for something to happen, which I know it's on purpose. It's that's it's a on mental purpose. build up. You know what yep. I mean? That's and the tension so, builder. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and, and again, Signs of the Lambs, it's a thriller. So there's not meant to be many moments of, you know, uh, downtime. So also, we have Taxi Driver has Young Frankenstein a few years after Young Frankenstein. He does. Yes, he does. It's another great connection. <laughs> and he's great in it too. It's a small ridge. role, but he's great in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say, Shawnee's not going to be happy with me here either. There is another time when Jonathan Demi bests Martin Scorsese as a director. Uh, I'm sorry, what? The musical fans for this will know. That Jonathan oh, I know Demi what you're gonna, yeah. has directed That's the talking for debate too. I know. I knew you're gonna hate it. I'll take stop making sense I'll over take the last, last waltz. Wal I'll take last waltz every day. <laughs> 
I knew you would. Second of every, are you out of your head? <laughs> and I, I to be all right. Full disclosure, I haven't seen Stop Making Sense. Well, all right. But I, but I know Last Waltz is one of my is is probably in my top twenty of things to watch. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's oh yeah, no way. And I, you know, oh fuck that, yeah, no way. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that funny how they both directed maybe the two greatest concert films of all time? Put it this way: If I could time travel, let the last Waltz recording, which was Thanksgiving '77 at in uh, uh, where was it? That's the Fillmore in in San Francisco. That sounds right. I that's one of the places I would go. That's, that's where I would one go. Of the, I would go to that Talking Heads concert. No, <laughs> you're such a bullshitter. I'm not a. I'm not, I swear <laughs> to God that you haven't seen it. <laughs> All right, I'm not doing never, that just to, Oh, I thought you were just fucking with me. No. Oh, uh, iconic. Like, I thought I said my thing and you went, yeah, I would go to the uh, talking heads as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I absolutely would. Oh, okay. Um, I think it would be so cool. Just the same way that I talk about, like, I like, I like the Rolling Stones a lot, but you could give me tickets to a Rolling Stone show from, you know, well, but now they're done, but I mean, like, like in their later years and I'd be like, no, thanks. <laughs> but I would go in the sixties. I would go in 1969, 1968, whatever. So I would um, go in the, 1972. I would go 1972, 73. You're coming off Exile on Main Street. You're coming off Sticky Fingers. Yeah, they're right, at their I'm peak. Right. Heroin has destroyed their lives. Yeah. Uh, oh. So, so I, I think we're, what happens is I think what it is is this. It's like it's really hard because well, I'll tell you, man. You know what's I don't know if we're now. gonna get a winner here. I don't know if we're gonna get a winner. What 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 holds up now? Like now, like now when I think of it, I'm like. Oh, taxi driver lives within that. It's like Silence of the Lambs. I guess it's the same kind of thing with, but just it's so funny how similar they are, but they're two different genres. I, I know that's so, why I thought it was a great matchup. So Silence of the Lambs, you know, if you put it up against directly competitive other serial killer movies, uh, it's still I would probably go up against one of my favorites, which was Zodiac, you know, stuff like that. But I mean, um, uh. It's one of those things where it's like, is it thought of still? Is it talked about still? Is is it is it is it you know you know that taxi driver is probably taught in film classes because of Scorsese and his early work. So does that give it a point where it's like it's a teachable teachable movie? Also, uh, we just had a pandemic and New York might get back to the point of what it was in the seventies. <laughs> well, I, all right, Which it won't, I it guess won't, it, won't. <clears throat> I, it Mike, director. Of it, yes. It comes down to one thing that you could tilt in any other way because they're obviously both brilliant films. Um, you have to go Scorsese, obviously. No questions asked there. I think if it comes down to like the more popular or more beloved film, again, I think you're gonna go Taxi Driver. Um, I think looking back after X amount of years, um like people like for like people like me silence of the lambs is more of a it's a personal love whereas i think taxi drivers may be more accepted on a a national level if you will you know what i mean and, and i would say the popular vote would go to taxi, taxi driver, driver but we're yeah. getting some electoral college votes for silence of the lambs you know what i mean Yes, like or like if you get like a, a freshman in college film class student, he would go for yes. taxi driver, like that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like and but you could make the argument, uh, Sounds of Lamps underappreciated at that level, uh, where maybe it should be on on par with with uh, for what it does for those types of movies and how it ele it did elevate those types of movies. Yeah, um, and uh, here's the thing we kind of glossed over, which 
uh, now I'm making the case for you is that I just made the case for you. So go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I said as little screen time as Anthony Hopkins had science of the lambs. It's De Niro has to carry the entire movie and within his psychological with, you know, so that should count for a lot. Uh, I mean, it's, it's almost the characters are secondary in taxi driver. Almost. It, that's you know, it's true. You only care time. about it's such only, a lone yeah. wolf movie. And that's probably the more accomplished acting feat. As great as Anthony Hopkins was, and as much as I love that role, yeah. I have to respect what De Niro did. Probably like, you know, to prepare for something like that. I I, I think I know I think he drove around as a taxi driver for a couple of weeks and sure. talked to Vietnam veterans and stuff like that. So I mean, if we're going lone wolf to lone wolf, uh taxi driver wins. Yeah. So uh, I, as much as I still love Silence of the Lambs, I'll take more. I'll, I'll probably give you the win here for Taxi. Let, let's do this real quick before we wrap up. Let's but tell ask, us on the socials. Let's tell us. Tell us what you guys think. But also, before we end, uh, Buster Palm, can you give us your we will not get mad. Give us your assessment. Which one? <laughs> which one? That's 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 a great part. in Young Frankenstein, he goes, you promise you won't get angry. He goes, I will not. When he asks him what brain he got, he goes, that's not Hans Delbruck's brain, is it? He goes, no. He goes, Abby someone. Abby normal. <laughs> Abby normal. <laughs> um, Buster Palm, you, uh, based off the discussion, which I think was a great one, can you please tell us which one you think edged it out or which was there, was there a blowout? Which one do you think is the more superior lone wolf movie? And uh, and you can also have a category, another a side category of better Jodie Foster movie to you if, if, if you can, please. Mr. Michael Swartz. Uh, I would say Taxi Driver is a I better Lone Wolf movie, but I think Silence of the Lamb is a better uh, Jodie Foster, Foster movie. movie. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And we were discussing it and, and can, the, the parameters of the discussion. I think you might have won, Andy, because you we were talking about Jodie Foster and an adult movie versus child movie. And let's be honest, child parts, unless you're doing like, you know, very controversial blank, at the time. blank check or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Super controversial. And like, think about how hard it is for a kid to act, to act in a movie like that, to play in a child prostitute. Like you forget how, how badass that is. Taxi driver is too. Graphic. Yeah. Yeah. So Jodie Foster wise, I think you won Andy, but when we, we when we crept into the, the discussion of which lone wolf and, and as far as directors go, I think I think uh, taxi driver wins. I got to watch but, both of them now. I'm, I'll tell you I, what, I'm going to be walking around doing tourist Dr. Lecter for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a nice little afternoon. We uh, we walked by. We went to Governor's Island. We rode some bikes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they, you never do the things you say you're going to do until you until I'll, someone comes to visit. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. <laughs> I ate his I'll, liver with an orange Julius. And, uh, <laughs> I ate his liver at Katz's Deli with a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the best, he goes, uh, uh, I'll meet you on the corner of Toidy Toid and Toid. <laughs> he goes, you know, they say you never want to be a member of a club when no one will have you. Famous New York movies. Just putting Hannibal Lecter in every famous New York movie. <laughs> you or every famous movie. You damn dirty ape. You damn dirty ape. Oh, um, oh my God, that was fun. Uh, Listen, guys, let's get down to business. Hans Booby. Hans Booby, Hart Bachner Booby. Please, 
uh, will you please, please, please subscribe to this podcast? This is the Defend Your Movie podcast. This is this is DYM. You you're listening to it. It's at the DYM podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, also, um, you can check out me and Andy both have serious satellite radio shows. You know it as Sirius XM. You know it as satellite radio. Whatever you know it as. Um, Andy's show is every Thursday at 4 p.m. on Raw Dog 99. And mine is the same channel, Raw Dog 99, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. And it's very exciting. Mine is called Celebrate, where we celebrate one topic each week. And Andy's is called The Raw Report, where they welcome on really great guests and have really fun discussions with them. And Andy, please tell them about our social media, personal. Well, you can find this podcast right here at the DYM podcast on the socials. And you can find Shawnee. Mr. Sean Dunley, that's Dutch, at Time S-E-A-N-Y-T-I-M-E, on Instagram and Twitter. And you can do the same for me, at Andy Fiore. It's A-N-D-Y-F-I-O-R-I. And check out uh, our websites. Mine's andyfiore.com. Things are starting to open up, gang, so I'm starting yeah. to put some dates on the website. We have a date coming up together, May 1st, Oxford, Pennsylvania. That's going to be a fun one. So, Dimwit Nation, come on out. Bring us a potato. We, uh, we'll we talk some meats and peats, and we'll have some fun and tell some jokes. And check out our very own Buster Palm. Uh, it's at Michael V. Suarez. Is that Mr. correct, Michael Buster? Uh, at Mike V. Suarez, correct. Mike V. Suarez. We I'm love sorry, him. We love at, Mushy. We love the baby. And I think there might be some rumblings about us being in studio soon, so we'll be able to bring you guys way more stuff uh, and maybe maybe get some um, more uh, we'll get some more defenses going on. I'm glad that we're bringing back the crux of the podcast. I think we should do this once again. We're back yes. into the d- defending world. We have to do that. This is Defend Your Movie. We can't lose sight of that. So, no. guys, let us know what, what other ideas, because Andy, th- this week was such a great idea to kick Thank movies you. 